praise. Let's stand to sing, please. Psalm 100, all people that on earth do dwell. And let's sing together. All people that on earth do dwell, sing to the Lord with cheerful. And we're turning to the Psalm 46. We'll remain standing and we'll sing together the first three verses of this well-known Psalm 46. God is our refuge and our strength in straits of present age. God is our 
in this bulletin, hymn 46. So let's do that. Let's do that. Let's do what's in the uh, order of service here, 46. And then we'll be on the right page and the right tune, and that will keep everybody happy here today. Number 46 in the hymn section, Worship the King All Glorious Above. seated. You may be seated. We're going to open our Bibles today to Romans chapter 3, and it's really a guide to us in our congregational prayer at which we pray for one another and pray for God's grace to our own souls as we come into His presence today 
and to worship Him. So let's just read from Romans 3, verse 20. The Lord's Word says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in His sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past, through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Amen. May the Lord work in our hearts his will as we come to pray this morning. You'll notice the statement, faith in his blood, and that is the New Testament counterpart of the Old Testament practice of every morning having a sacrifice, slaying the animal, offering its blood to God as atonement, and they did likewise every evening. And so as we come into the presence of God, we come with a blood offering by faith in His blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus. And so as we come to worship, we come with Calvary in mind, and we come with this personal trust in that sacrifice and the precious blood of our Lord Jesus. Let's unite in prayer. Our Father, we come today with thanksgiving into your holy presence. We rejoice in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we dare not come in our own name we dare not come in our own merits or our own uh, boasting, but we come by faith in the precious shed blood, the sacrifice of Calvary, where the Lord Jesus laid down His life for us. And Father, we thank Thee today for sending Your Son, for decreeing and for planning the cross. And Lord Jesus, we thank Thee for fulfilling the will of the Father in coming into this sin-cursed world to live in our place, to live a sinless life, and to offer Yourself as an atonement to cover over our sins that we might be reconciled to God. And so, Father, on the basis of the blood, we come to Thee today. We come with praise. We come with rejoicing. We ought and are indeed the happiest people in all the world because our sins are gone 
and we have this fellowship with the Father and with our Lord Jesus. We pray that you'll make us overcomers in this untoward world, a world of rebellion to God. Lord, help us to turn our back upon the world and to follow on after the Lord Jesus, to walk in the light as he is in the light. Thank you for each testimony here today of your saving grace. Thank you for the very desire that you've put within our hearts to come to a gospel church. And we pray for your gracious presence amongst us. We pray thee, Lord, to come down into the midst. O oh, Lord, as you came down in the tabernacle and your Shekinah glory was there in the holy place and you hovered over the mercy seat, O oh, Lord, as we appeal to that sacrifice today of our Lord Jesus, we pray thee to hover over us, to come and to manifest yourself, make yourself real unto our hearts. We thank Thee for the assurances of Your Word that we have a, a book religion, we have faith in the Word, and that written Word is the inerrant, infallible record of God and His truth. And we pray today that we will be led into all truth. We pray that you'll help your people, Lord, in all their cares of life. We confess, Lord, we're weak and weary at times and in need of new strength. We pray for mothers in the home that you'll help. We pray for fathers as breadwinners, as leaders in their families, that you'll give great grace great power to live unto God and to be that example for each one. We pray for the children in the midst today and we rejoice in the birth of little Josiah. We thank thee for this gift to Caleb and Yvonne and we pray that you will bless this little boy. Thank you for children and we pray that your blessing will be upon them that they will in early life know the Savior, that thou wilt by thy Spirit reveal thyself to them, that they will not just have a, a mom-dad religion, but that they will have that true, childlike, saving faith in the Lord Jesus. And we pray that you'll bless homes and bless each heart. Remember those who live alone, O oh Lord, grant that they will never be alone, but your presence will be there, that you will encourage hearts, and that you will strengthen and guide. Make this church to be an oasis, a place of refuge, a place of feeding for souls, and a place of victory, that we might be a people who will glorify thee, and others will know that we are thy disciples by the love that is shown to one another. We remember our nation today, and as we think of our Canada Day just behind us yesterday, we do thank thee that we live in a land of freedom, a land of civil liberties, and of gospel liberties. 
And yet we know that the enemy is seeking to destroy them. And we cry out, Lord, that for a generation rising up, that thou wilt cause the light of the gospel to shine with great power. Bless every gospel effort in this land to reach men and women and native peoples, immigrant peoples who are newly arriving to this country, that they may cast off their religions of idolatry and come to know the Christ of Calvary. We pray that we will be busy in thy kingdom, seeking to spread the light, and that you'll be glorified in it. O Lord, hear from heaven. O Lord, be one of our number today, and minister to us as we worship thee together. We ask and pray in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. 264 is our next hymn, 264, I will sing of my Redeemer and his wondrous love to me on the cruel cross he suffered from the curse to set me free, 264.
may be seated. You may be seated. We're turning to the book of Galatians for our preaching passage this morning, and I trust you'll have your Bible and follow along with us. Galatians chapter 2, and we'll start at verse 14. Let's hear the Lord's Word as we read together. Galatians 2, verse 14. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even as we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners. Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. For if I build again the things which I destroyed... I make myself a transgressor, for I through the law am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. And we'll end our reading just there. May the Lord write this short passage on our hearts. Well, I do want to welcome everyone this morning. It's great to see you here in the Lord's house, those that are regulars, those that uh, come periodically, and those who are visiting today in the area. And we have um, Doug McKay and his wife here from Fort Myers, Florida. They have come for some cooling relief to this part of the world and uh, also Mr. and Mrs. Gordon, Mrs. Uh, uh, McKay's mother and father. So we welcome you today from the deep south, and may the Lord bless your visit here this morning. I see that Hannah is with us here, and uh, I think we have two Mrs. Fittens in the midst here. This is Hannah's mother-in-law, Andrew's mother and sister. Is that right? Okay. Just want to make sure I don't go wrong here in welcoming people. So, will you be with us this evening, Hannah? All right. Well, I have a few things I'd like to say 
but I'll reserve them for this evening. Uh, as you know, Hannah's husband, Andrew, um, has just been ordained to the ministry in Cloverdale over near Vancouver. And uh, Hannah has been finishing up her teaching contract right here in Calgary before making the move. But uh, we look forward to having you back with us this evening. And uh, we trust the Lord will bless you in all these changes that are ahead. And what else have I to welcome here today? Well, firstly, I'm delighted to have my wife Beulah with us. Uh, for many, many visits that I have come here to Calgary, she has been unable uh, to come along, or maybe my visit was so brief that uh, it was not really a big deal to have me gone for a night or two, but uh, for uh, 10 days, well, it's nice to have my wife Beulah along as well. And uh, we trust the Lord will bless our fellowship together today, uh, this evening, of course, as we meet at, for prayer at 5 o'clock. And uh, 5 o'clock, 5.30, whatever works. And then for the evening service at 6 p.m. We'd be delighted if you can come back and join with us. I'll be preaching this evening on 1 John 5, 4. We've got two more chapters to do. Uh, we've been preaching through this book of 1 John. So chapter 4 this evening... Who cares? That's the title of the subject uh, in that chapter this evening. Tuesday evening is prayer meeting at 7 o'clock. We look forward to having you come with your prayer requests, your prayer needs, and let's be a church praying uh, together. We'll be in the prayer room if it's not too hot. Uh, when I arrived here when, on Friday evening, that wing of the building was really hot. Uh, the sun comes in on that side, especially in the prayer room. So um, maybe if it's really hot, we'll have to meet downstairs or here in the, in the sanctuary. Saturday evening, if men, women are available, I'd love to have your help for some outreach. If you remember, we ordered 2,500 copies of a New Beginning booklet and they have arrived. They're all stashed here in the little side room off the hall. And uh, would like to get some of these out into the community. So if you are free on Saturday evening, I don't know, 6 p.m., 6.30, we're going to have a short prayer time. And then we'll go out into the community and get some of these booklets out. So if you've got the energy, the walking skills, and not necessarily... Uh, people's skills. You can just put them in the door, put them in the mailbox, but invariably you're going to meet people and maybe have an opportunity uh, to share the gospel with them. So that's next Saturday, this coming Saturday evening at 6 p.m. Let's make it 6 p.m. The evening goes on quickly. And then next Sunday we have the regular times. Look forward to being back here for uh, the services next Sunday. Now, this is our communion service, as you can see, and immediately at the close of this service, we'll be moving to the communion, and we'll be serving that to those who are born again, blood-washed, and resting, serving the Lord. And we invite you to participate in this table today. 
Copies of the current magazine have just arrived and they are available, uh, I think, to every home. And uh, there's no personal subscription for these, so uh, make sure you get a copy of the current. Right, I think these are all the announcements that I need to make here. We're going to move on to our uh, offering and then to our next hymn. So, let's have our offering now. Caleb is with us. Very good. Lord, we come before Thee here this Sabbath morning, O Lord. It is with hearts of gratefulness and thankfulness, O Lord, that we come here this morning. O Lord, being kept yet another week, O Lord. O Lord, and I pray that You would come, that You would meet with us here this morning, O Lord. Even as has been mentioned, O Lord, we have thought of our nation and the history of it, O Lord, and the great Christian heritage that we do have. And yet, O Lord, as as it seems times are changing, we pray, O Lord, that we would be used, even this place here, O Lord, as a means of staying the hand of evil upon this land. O Lord, that you would even use these tithes and offerings that we gather here now for the furtherance of thy kingdom. Help us, we do pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. June 21st, if I got the date right, yes. I remember that because that's my mom's birthday. It's also the longest day in the year. So uh, you'll not forget that birthday easily. So we do congratulate Yvonne and Caleb on the birth of Josiah. So now you can take up the offering. cross he suffered. We sung that. We sung that already. 275 is the next one. 275. And we're going to turn to 275. Christ is the Savior of sinners. Christ is the Savior for me. Long I was chained in sin's darkness. 
Now by His grace, I am free. Verses 1 and 4, please. Christ is the Savior of sin. seated. You may be seated, and we're going back to our Bibles, to Galatians chapter 2, and to verse 20, this text of the Apostle Paul, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's bow in prayer a moment. Father, we thank thee for this truth that is stated here of being crucified with Christ. Help us to take it in what that means. Open up the Scripture to our hearts and minds and write it upon our souls this evening. Oh, God, be gracious to minister to us. Give power in the pulpit, Lord. I need Thee. And I pray that Thou will come to my aid and speak to every heart today, even those that need to come for the first time by faith to the cross for salvation. In the Savior's name, amen. Amen. This text is an exposition of the power of the cross. And what a scope of work. It really is infinite in its dimensions. Now, there was a definite power exerted that day at Calvary when the Lord Jesus offered Himself up as a sacrifice for our sins. During those three hours of darkness, there was a work done. There was something accomplished that is 
life-changing, and is of great power. Now, the world was shut out because this really was the work between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There are many verses in the Bible that speak to the three persons of the Trinity at work, even in the redemption of the Lord Jesus. Now, I'm giving you just one of them, Hebrews 9.14. How much more shall the blood of Christ... So there's one person of the Trinity who through the eternal Spirit offered himself. That's the third person of the Trinity. Without spot to God. So I want you to think of it. When our Lord Jesus was offering himself as a sacrifice for sin on that tree, three persons of the Trinity were at work. The Son was offering Himself. The eternal Spirit was coming alongside, offering without spot unto God. Now, that day was the crisis day of the world. And what our Lord Jesus fulfilled on that cross at Calvary during those three hours has been the turning point of world history. It's why you're here today. It's why you're a Christian today. It's why you can say that you're going to heaven because there was one who came into the world to live for you, to die for you, and to reconcile you to the God of heaven. Now, the Lord Himself in the sixth saying upon the cross cried out, It is finished. And this is the good news of the gospel. There's nothing for you to do to add to the atoning sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. Now, there's a lot of things for you to do as a Christian. You ought to be the best husband in the world or the best wife in the world. You ought to be the best mom and dad in your community. You ought to be an example in this church of love, of prayer, and of a a service for Christ, and living above the world. There's a lot of things that Christians do or ought to do, but paying for sin is not one of them. Only the Lord Jesus paid for sin, and He did it all. Now, that death of the Lord Jesus had a fourfold impact. It had an impact upon heaven. The Father was satisfied. The angels were rejoicing. The Lamb was to be exalted because He had power to open the book and to give eternal life to as many as God has called. Its impact was also hellward. The devil was defeated at the cross. There was never again any opportunity to fill hell to the maximum because our Lord Jesus, by His death, purchased multitudes, innumerable souls 
out of the way of darkness into the way of eternal life. The impact was also earthward. There is a future redemption of this world. The curse one day will end. If you walk through the grounds of the church here, you will see the curse at work. Dandelions. Millions of them. They're a pest. And then there's those invasive species that are deathly, poisonous. There are bugs and beasts that will destroy and kill. All of this one day will be over. And this groaning world in its pain and suffering will end. There will be a new heaven and a new earth where there is no death, no sorrow, no pain. All because the Lord Jesus on that cross purchased redemption even for the world. Its impact, of course, is manward. And whether you understand it or not, every single person born into those world benefits from the cross work of Christ, even the most wicked Because God gives space to the wicked. He causes the sun to shine on the evil and the good for a space of time. And there are people today who think they can sin, rebel, hate God and get away with it. But they are really benefiting from the common grace, the mercy that flows to this world. To all men. But then the great impact is what happens when you look to Jesus by faith and you trust in his redeeming blood. That's the big impact. The Bible calls it speaking blood. It speaks better things than that of Abel. It speaks peace, pardon, Mercy, fellowship with God. What a wonderful thing to be able to say, my sins are gone. And Paul said it this way, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now, when he said, I am crucified with Christ, he is simply saying, That when our Lord Jesus died on that cross, I died. My sins were laid on him. And that cross has done a miraculous work in my heart. The life that I now live, it's a new life. It's a life of victory. It's a life of power. It's a life that is so radically different from the way of the sinner. It's the way of the child of God that is a pilgrim to glory. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God that loved me. 
I have an outline I want to give you here today, and it's really very simple. I hope it will help you to grasp something of the miracle that happens in the human heart when you become a believer in the Lord Jesus. I don't know if you are a believer or not. You may have come into this service today perchance, maybe thinking you were going to some other church, and here you are. But I know this, God wants you to hear this. God has a message for you today. And it's simply this, that the cross is the starting line for every Christian. If you want to be a Christian, you must get to the cross. The cross also is the baseline to live by faith. You can't do without the cross. Whatever else you might have in your religion, you can't do without the cross. And thirdly, the cross is the power line for victory over the world. This is a pastoral issue. This is a heart issue because many Christians are living in defeat. They say the joy of prayer in my life is gone. I feel that I can't pray as I should. My Bible seems dusty dry. I'm not living in the zeal and in the power that I once did. The answer is to come back to the cross. The life that I now live, Paul said, I live by the faith of the Son of God that loved me and gave himself for me. So, we're going to come here to the starting line. And here you'll see in Galatians 2.20, Paul says, Nevertheless, I live. When does a Christian begin to live? Spiritually, that is. You do know that the Bible says that we are all dead in trespasses and sins. (coughs) That there is no good in us, that we are all from head to toe as a sick person, and we need new life. When does that new life come in? Well, it comes when we are born again, when the life of the Lord Jesus comes into our souls. And this is the miracle that is needed, and it starts at the cross. It's when you come as a sinner in all your need, in all your bankruptcy, and you come to the cross and say, Jesus is the Savior I need. And that's the starting line. That's where you now begin to receive the new life of the gospel. There's no such thing as having new life or being born again if you've never come to the cross as a sinner for salvation. Now, Nicodemus needed to find that out. You remember all the questions that he had when Jesus said, ye must be born again. And he questioned, well, how can that be? How can a man enter into his mother's womb when he is old? How can it possibly be? What was the Lord's answer, by the way? Well, if you know John 3, it leads up to John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Christ came not to condemn the world, but to save. And before that, it says, as Moses lifted up the serpent on the uh, wilderness, 
the, the serpent on uh, the pole in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So what did the Lord Jesus do to Nicodemus when he was asking, how can I be born again? He preached to him the cross. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And that is what happened at Calvary. And that is the starting line for salvation. It's faith in the cross work. Faith in the redeeming blood of Jesus by which you are born again. Pentecostal, charismatic, feelingism. And that's just a general term for this happy, clappy religion of make people feel good that doesn't lead sinners in repentance to the cross for cleansing in the blood misses the starting line for Christianity. I wonder, have you missed the starting line? For somehow you are religiously interested in these things. And you may say, I've learned so much. I can now call myself a religious person. I want to do good. I want to be better. I want even to be right with God. But you've never come as a sinner to the cross. You've never come to the starting line. You've never come to the place where all and every one that is ever, whose name is ever written in the Lamb's book of life, it's the book of the Lamb, by the way. It's the book of the Redeemer, the one who died on the cross. And you've got to get your name in there when you come by faith as a sinner to the cross. Then we move on and we see that the cross is the baseline to live by faith. Paul says it this way. I am, and that's present, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. And the life that I now live, so he's not giving up. He's not even staying static. He's not staying at the starting line. But he's going on to live by the faith of the Son of God who loved him and gave himself for him. So, the power of Christian living is to live with your heart and soul fixed constantly on the cross each and every day. A day that does not expand your faith in the cross work, the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus at Calvary is a day of backsliding. You're going backward again. And every day we've got to get to the cross. And I emphasize this because, as I mentioned in my opening prayer, in the Old Testament, believers 
had a morning sacrifice and an evening sacrifice. They were a blood sacrifice-minded people. And that's the way we live the Christian life. We live each and every day focusing on the victory of our Lord Jesus at the cross as a redeemed people. Now, we know in Acts chapter 2 that that's how the New Testament Christians also lived because they broke bread and they, from house to house, broke bread and had fellowship one with another. That's the communion feast which we are holding here today. And this is God's way of keeping even the most mature Christian, the longest living, serving Christian, to come right back to the cross. And the Lord said, remember me in my death. You see, we must not get away from the cross. We're not allowed to get away from the cross. The moment that you say, oh, I've gotten beyond that, then you have really ceased to be a gospel-minded, gospel-living Christian. Soul ministry and worship are to be based on gospel preaching. And that's a reason why this communion table is to be served by ministers of the gospel, because it is not just the feel and the taste of the bread and wine, it is the exposition of what it means. And the preacher is to set forth to the hearts and minds of every communicant what this is. It's a symbol of the body of the Son of God that was incarnate, and yet He offered that body upon the cross to be mangled, bruised, and offered Himself unto death as a sacrifice. And His blood, the evidence of His death, is to be offered unto God. Now, the apostles also were totally committed to this preaching of the cross. Paul said, we preach Christ crucified. Now, that's the kind of church I would want to go to. If I saw a sign outside a church building, and you may have many other uh, things that are on in the church, but if it says, we preach Christ crucified, I would say, that church is for me. Now, I heard about a church where the weeds grew up over the sign. And the weeds at first just cut off the final word. We preach Christ crucified. Crucified was gone. The weeds grew over it. And then the weeds grew more, and it said, we preach Christ was gone, hidden by the weeds. And then the weeds grew some more. We and even preach was gone. And it was just we. The 
church that ceases to preach the cross becomes inward-looking, manward-looking, and loses sight of the victory of the cross. And that's why there's this insistence in the New Testament of preaching the cross of Christ. Now, that was true of Paul. It was true of Peter. And he said, where he quoted, be holy for I am holy, he went on to talk about the precious blood of Christ without spot, without blemish. It was true of John, 1 John 7. We walk in the light as he is in the light. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us. And so we conclude that the cross is the baseline of our Christian living. There is no less denominator. There is no lower standard. We must get our eyes constantly upon that cross of the Lord Jesus. Now, the bottom line of all this really comes very personal because it's not that we want to find just a church that preaches the cross, but we've got to preach the cross to ourselves every day. We don't have church every day. Some people find it a challenge to get to church once a week. Some can come on the Sunday evening as well. That's good. Some can come midweek. And maybe occasionally there might be a series of meetings where you have a week of meetings. That's wonderful. But every Christian has to learn to preach the cross to yourself every day. And you need your Bible to do that. And you might use the hymnal to do that. And you can recite and you can sing the hymns about the blood. That's a great thing to have a hymnal with gospel hymns about the sacrifice, the redeeming work of the Lord Jesus. The hymns that we've been selecting for the service today. And you might even have a few favorites that you could sing at the kitchen sink or in the car as you drive or as you go for a walk. And these, this is preaching the cross to yourself. Or maybe you could memorize Galatians 2.20. That would do it. And if you've got that firmly in your mind, now it's a challenging one to memorize, but if you can just do it, you could at any time, even in a sleepless night, preach the cross to yourself. And when the tempter comes along, when you feel defeated and discouraged, preach the cross to yourself. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Now, that faith of the Son of God is really the gospel of the Son of God. The gospel of the Son of God. That's how we live. We're a gospel people. We are Calvary Christians. And this now becomes our living and our dying motto. A couple of years ago, there was a lady in northern Alberta who was facing 
death through cancer. She had no pastor to turn to, and I had the privilege of talking with her by phone on quite a number of occasions. And we would talk through the gospel, and she really did love the Lord. But her final words was, I'm clinging to the cross. Isn't that a great way to die? It's a great way to live. And it's a great way to die, clinging to the cross. Ceasing from yourself, finding your joy, your peace, your comfort in all the power and the victory of Calvary. Are you doing that? Preaching the cross to yourself. You didn't know that you were called to be a preacher, did you? You know, everybody does talk to themselves, you know. Even in our most thoughtless moments, you might find someone sweeping out an old cupboard and, and they're mumbling away and talking to themselves. I don't need that and I do need that. I'm not sure about that. And you just talk to yourself. Christians talk things over. We talk the gospel. In the book of Acts, they gossip the gospel. And we do it to ourselves. And this cross gets a grip of us. It gets a hold upon our whole life. So all that we do, the life that I now live, it's a cross life. And whether I'm praying, it's Calvary praying. If I'm singing, it's Calvary singing. If it's preaching or witnessing to a neighbor, it's Calvary witnessing. I'm not going to stop at creation. I'm not going to stop at what date was it when Jesus died on the cross or some sideline issue. I'm going to witness to my neighbor and friends and say, isn't it a wonderful thing that my sins were laid on Jesus and his righteousness is laid on me that I can have the peace of imputed, transferred righteousness to my account, that I'm no longer answerable to my sins, but I'm accepted with God. Isn't that wonderful? That's the witnessing. Now we move to the next part of the outline, and that is that the cross is the power line to overcome the world. And I'm going to confess something as a preacher. I'm going to jump out of the text. I'm going to depart from this text in Galatians 2.20, and I'm going to take you over to Galatians 6, verse 14. And this, I would call it the twin verse of Galatians 2.20. Galatians 6.14. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. The cross does something in the heart and mind of the believer. 
the person who has come to rejoice in sins forgiven and the fact that our sins were laid on Christ, that cross puts to death the world in me. I don't want the world anymore. I'm fleeing from it. I'm renouncing it. I'm no longer living for it. I want to get the victory over it. And this is how we do it, by this very power of the cross. Now, don't tell me today that the cross of the world has no influence on you. The world is like a magnetic force. If you go to an auto wreckers and you will see the crane at work and they will drop that big blob of metal on top of a car or a truck and then they'll hit the electricity and the magnet switches on and it lifts that vehicle into the air and swings it around to the crusher or wherever it's going. That's the power of magnetism. The world has an allurement. It is a terrible force, even upon the heart of the blood-washed Christian. It's lust. It's sinful cravings need to be put to death. And Paul goes on to say, I am crucified with Christ. And he says here in chapter 614, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Now, it's true, the world doesn't want me anymore. When you're a Christian, the world doesn't want you anymore. They don't want your Christian witness anymore. They don't want your Bible anymore. You go to your neighbor with a Bible in hand, they might not open the door to you. The world doesn't want you as a Christian. Why? Because they don't like the cross. They don't like to confess that they're a sinner. But how do I get victory over the world? Well, I am crucified unto the world, and the world is crucified unto me. And Paul says, this happens by the power of the cross. God forbid that I should glory, save in, except in the cross. And thereby we get victory over the world. Now, the Bible talks about two kinds of sorrow. It talks about the sorrow of the world and the sorrow that comes from the cross. There's a false sorrow. And many religions have what they call confession and they have uh, some sense of uh, sorrow over their past deeds. But the sorrow of the world, it works bitterness in the heart. But the sorrow of the cross works sweetness in the heart. For we dare not grieve God. 
The sorrow of the world works to harden hearts. But the sorrow of the cross softens hearts. The sorrow of the world works suspicion of God. The sorrow of the cross works reconciliation to God. The sorrow of the world works rebellion to God. The sorrow of the cross works surrender. The worldly sorrow causes men to despise the cross. But this gospel sorrow enables me to delight in the cross. What a fine Christian the cross has made of many sinners, rebels, drunkards, drug addicts, blasphemers, fornicators, worldly, wicked people. And they have been brought to the cross. They have seen the man of Calvary. They have learned to hate their sin and realize the ugly and the horror of it in the eyes of God. And now they're living a new life. It's like the electricity being switched on. The old life was dead in sin, but now it's a new life with Christ within. I tremble for those who call themselves Christians, but, and sit under a crossless ministry. And you know what's happening all around us. In Canada, there are thousands of people who go to church this very day and they go to what they call Christian churches and you ask them, what happened when Jesus died on the cross? They don't know. That's an anomaly and it's a tragedy. Don't go to a church that misses the cross or neglects the cross. Don't become part of any ministry that has no interest in telling sinners of what Jesus did when he suffered upon that tree. And don't live a life in some other religious profession that's bloodless and powerless but stick with the cross. Stay at Calvary and let that sight of the Lord Jesus dying win your heart. In closing, one little help or thought that may clinch this for you is this, how does the cross do this? What happens? when you come believing in the death of the Lord Jesus. Well, in the book of Romans, there is a whole list of triumphs and victories for the Christian. I want to read them to you. Romans 8, 36. Better still, let's all read them. Let's go to Romans 8 and verse 36. <clears throat> Romans 8, 36. As it is written, 
For thy sake are we killed all the day long, and we are accounted for the slaughter. Now, that's simply the Bible speaking that we live in a dangerous world, a world that is hostile to the Christian, a world that is out to trip up and ruin your testimony, if not your life. And then verse 37, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is In Christ Jesus. When you are in, united with the Lord Jesus, you are made a conqueror. By faith, by the power of his life, the life that I now live, not I but Christ that liveth in me, that leads to a conquering life. Let us so remember the death of the Lord Jesus today as we soon move to the table after another hymn. Let us pray, and I'd ask you to pray, Lord, lay the cross upon me. Crucify me by faith in that cross. Take the world out of my heart. Give me conquering power to live a blood-washed Christian in victory day by day. Maybe you're not saved today. You're not a Christian. You've never come to the cross. You can never say that you have come by faith asking for the Lord Jesus to wash your sins away. Come now, even as you sit in your seat, say, Lord, wash me now. Pardon me now. Let the cross begin its work in me. And let me be a blood-washed Christian, free from all sin. Nothing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Now, if I can help you in your need to be saved, I'm, I'm very happy to take the time after the service today. And if you are not yet born again, not yet saved, then please sit through this communion service. See how this ministers to Christians. Be an observer, but watch carefully. Listen carefully. And may the Lord use this public expression of faith in the cross to minister to your heart and lead you to personal saving faith in the Lord Jesus. Our next hymn then is going to be 349. 349.
Jesus, keep me near the cross. There a precious fountain, free to all, a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. Verses 1 and 2. And while uh, you sing that, our deacons will come and join me at the table here this morning.